ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय So today is the day 5000 years ago that Krishna spoke the Bhagavad Gita so I will be doing a special class on the understanding and glorification of the Bhagavad Gita First I'd like to read from Shrimad Bhagavatam Sutta Goswami says Arjuna the celebrated friend of Lord Krishna was grief stricken because of his strong feeling of separation from Krishna over and above all of Maharaj Yudhishthir's speculative inquiries due to grief Arjuna's mouth and lotus-like heart had dried up and therefore his body lost all luster now remembering the supreme lord he could hardly utter a word in reply with great difficulty he checked the tears of grief that smeared his eyes he was very distressed because lord krishna was out of his sight and he increasingly felt affection for him remembering lord krishna and his well wishes benefactions intimate family relations and his chariot driving arjuna overwhelmed and breathing very heavily began to speak so the scene here is that arjuna left his brothers in hastinapur went to dwaraka and did not return for some time and yudhishthir was noticing inauspicious signs inauspicious omens and he was speculating it because of this it could be because of this but ultimately he had an idea that the reason all the auspicious inauspicious signs were there was because krishna had left the planet had gone back home so when arjuna returned finally arjuna confirmed what yudhishthir was thinking arjuna said the military strength of the kauravas was like an ocean in which there dwelled many invincible existences and thus it was insurmountable but because of krishna's friendship i seated on the chariot was able to cross over it it was krishna who withdrew the duration of life from everyone and who 
in the battlefield withdrew the speculative power and strength of enthusiasm from the great military phalanx made by the Kauravas, headed by Bhishma, Karna, Drona, Shalya, etc. Their arrangement was expert and more than adequate. But Lord Sri Krishna, while going forward, did all this. Great generals like Bhishma, Drona, Karna, Bodhishraba, Susharma, Shalya, Jayadrata, and Bhalika all directed their invincible weapons against me. But by Lord Krishna's grace, they could not even touch a hair on my head. Similarly, Prahlad Maharaj, the supreme devotee of Lord Narsinghadev, was unaffected by the weapons the demons used against him. It was by Krishna's mercy only that my enemies neglected to kill me when I descended from my chariot to get water for my thirsty horses. And it was certainly due to my lack of esteem for my Lord that I dare engage him as my chariot driver, for he is worshipped and offered services by the best of men to attain salvation. Now I am attracted to those instructions imparted to me by the personality of Godhead, Govinda, because they are impregnated with instructions for relieving the burning heart in all circumstances of time and space. So what Arjuna is referring to there is the Bhagavad Gita. When Arjuna uh, arrived on the scene of the day of the battle, day one, he became bewildered, confused, and ultimately told Krishna, I shall not fight. Krishna had agreed not to take up any weapon or fight in the battle, but he agreed to be Arjuna's chauffeur, his chariot driver. And in the scene, the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita, we see that Arjuna requests Krishna, please take my chariot in midst of both the armies. Let me see who has come here to fight. And when Arjuna saw on the other side who he had to kill, uncles, brothers, friends, teachers, all kinds of relatives, because this was a fratricidal war to determine who would rule the earth. Arjuna became overwhelmed with compassion and gave many, many reasons and arguments to Krishna why he did not want to fight this war. And we see at the end of the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna drops his bow and says, O Govinda, I shall not fight. But in chapter 2, Arjuna regains 
some of his greatness and says to Krishna, Karpanya doshopahatasvabhava, Prachami, my dear Lord, I'm confused. I am bewildered. This moment of great crisis has arrived and I have lost all composure due to miserly weakness. So I am asking you to no longer just be my friend. Now I want you to be guru. Now I want you to instruct me. He even says the word, Shishasteham Shadimangtwang Prapanam. He's very precise. He says, I surrender to you, Prapanam. Shishyas, now I am your disciple. Now you instruct me. Tell me for certain what I should do at this crisis moment. And that is the turning point of the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna begins in chapter 2 to instruct Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. Jaya Radha Adava Kunjabihari Samadava Kunjabi Gopi Janna Vallabho Giri Varadhari Navallabha Giri Varadhari Yashodhanandana Prajajana Ranjana Yashodhanandana Prajajana Ranjana Yamuna Tira Banachari Yamuna Hira Banachari. So when we read that section from the Srimad Bhagavatam, the final statement of Arjuna, there is a very extensive purport written by my spiritual master, His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. And in this purport, he gives us a nice general synopsis of the basic teachings of Bhagavad Gita. Desha kalarta yuktani hrittapo pashamani cha haranti smaratas chittang govinda bihitani me Now I am attracted to those instructions imparted to me by the personality of Godhead, Govinda. Because they are impregnated with instructions for relieving the burning heart in all circumstances of time and space. So, before we read Prabhupada's purport, I'd like to just give some further explanation of these words of Arjuna. So the whole uh, gist of religiosity is, as he says here, to become attracted to those instructions imparted to me. 
Indeed, very early in Srimad Bhagavatam, that warning is given that everyone has to do their prescribed duty. You may be a Brahmin, a Kshatriya, a Vaisha, a Sudra, a man, a woman, Brahmachari, Grihastha, Vanaprastha, Sanyas. Everybody has prescribed duties. But we should understand what is the goal of executing those prescribed duties. And in the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam, Sutta Goswami points out, the test is that by executing your prescribed duties, you become attached to Vasudev Kata, the words, the message of God, Vasudeva. Vasudeva, the name of God, one who exists everywhere in consciousness of himself being everywhere. Vasudeva, the all-pervading Supreme Lord. So whatever we are doing, the objective is to become attracted to the message of God. And here, although God has hundreds and millions of names, here he gives the original name of God, Govinda. Govinda means that person who gives pleasure to the cows, to the land, especially Vrindavan, and to the transcendental or purified senses, Govinda. Now Arjuna gives us insight why we should become attracted to the message of Godhead. Because they are impregnated with instructions for relieving the burning heart. Everyone in this material world, with no exception, has this burning heart. And we're not talking about a physical ailment. When he says burning heart, it means everyone is feeling frustration in this material world. It has nothing to do whether you believe in God or not believe in God, or whether you're a Hindu or a Christian or a Muslim. It doesn't matter. Everyone who's existing in this material world is experiencing to a lesser or greater degree this burning feeling in the heart. Why? Because they're not happy. They're frustrated. Why are they frustrated? Because they have unlimited desires and they're never fulfilled. That is the problem in this material world. Everyone's desire remains unfulfilled. And even we get a desire fulfilled, then we have another and another and another. It goes on and on. It never ends. And we learn from the Bhagavad Gita that as long as I have any kind of material desire, I am never going to be happy. Because by design, by nature, material desires can never be satiated. The exact word 
in the Bhagavad Gita, Dushparena Analenacha. Material desires are such, they burn like fire and they're never satisfied. But here, Arjuna is pointing out, the instructions of Govinda, Bhagavad Gita, are specifically meant to relieve the burning desire in the heart and actually give you peace. In the Bhagavad Gita, in chapter 5, Krishna gives us the peace formula. Bhoktaram yagyatapasang sarvaloka maheshwaram suhidam sarvabhutanam gyatva mam shantam ritjati. You want peace? It's actually very simple. Just believe three things. That God is the enjoyer and that I am his servant. That God is the owner, the proprietor. I'm just using, borrowing his things. And number three, that my best friend is God. That's my best friend. How is that? He's right here. No one is closer. There's nobody closer to me than God in my heart. And not only that, I may have a very good friend, I may have a good wife or a good husband, but when the time of death comes, bye-bye. But somebody is accompanying me birth after birth after birth. That's Krishna in the heart. Ever since I came here to this material world, Krishna has been my constant friend. Always there to help me. As it says here, in all circumstances of time and space, Bhagavad Gita is viable and is correct and true now as it was 5,000 years ago and will be correct and true for infinity. That is the beauty of Bhagavad Gita. Sanatan Dharma. Eternal religious truth. All right. Let us now read Prabhupada's purport where we're going to get a good summary of Bhagavad Gita. And whether you believe me or not, I was thinking of you two for the last three days and I was hoping that I would see you like this. Very good. I see that Krishna fulfills all desires. All right. I need to refresh my voice. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. All right. Let's look at this beautiful purport of Srila Prabhupada. 
Srila Prabhupada, my spiritual master, you have given us this ISKCON movement and you have given us Bhagavad Gita as it is. For what you have done for us, we can never repay you other than to try to do as you do, as you told us. If you want to please me, then do as I did, preach. So Srila Prabhupada, I renew my vows to you and I will try to preach following your footsteps. Srila Prabhupada ki. So Srila Prabhupada says, Herein, Arjuna refers to the instruction of the Bhagavad Gita, which was imparted to him by the Lord on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. The Lord left behind him the instructions of the Bhagavad Gita, not for the benefit of Arjuna alone, but for all time and in all lands. So that's a significant point. That is one reason why Prabhupada left India to come to America, to prove this point. That Bhagavad Gita is not just a Hindu scripture. That Bhagavad Gita is not just for Hindus. As he writes here, for all time and in all lands. Bhagavad Gita is for everybody. As Prabhupada also writes in his Gita introduction, at the very end of his Bhagavad Gita introduction, he says, let there be one book for the whole world, one scripture, Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita is for the Christians, for the Muslims, for the Jews, the Hindus, the Buddhists, it's for everybody. Bhagavad Gita is for the Americans, the Africans, the Australians, the Europeans, it's for everybody. Everybody should come to the point of accepting Bhagavad Gita. Let's continue. Being spoken by the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the essence of Vedic wisdom. Because there are many Vedas. There are four Vedas, 100 Nehru Upanishads, 18 Puranas, the Mahabharata, Ramayana is considered fifth Veda. So, and there's Vedanta Sutra. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of slokas. Bhagavad Gita is the essence of all Vedic wisdom. So if I simply understand Bhagavad Gita, I'll know enough. Just, I have to understand Bhagavad Gita. That'll be enough. It is nicely presented by the Lord himself. That's why it's called Bhagavad Gita. When I sometimes speak in public schools, and if I see it's a young audience, I say, Oh, how many of you like to that rap music? And then they raise, yes, this is God's rap. Bhagavad Gita, God is rapping. It's also spoken like a rap. Sarvadam man paritya ja, mame kam sharanam ja. And they get a glimpse. Oh, then their ears perk up because they can relate. 
for all who have very little time to go through the vast Vedic literatures like the Upanishads, there's 108 Upanishads, Puranas and Vedanta Sutras. It is put within the study of the great historical epic Mahabharata. Yes, Bhagavad Gita is only one part of the great Mahabharata, which was especially prepared for the less intelligent class of people. The problem which arose in the heart of Arjuna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra was solved by the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita. Again, after the departure of the Lord from the vision of worldly people, when Arjuna was face to face with being vanquished in his acquired power and prominence, he wanted to remember the great teachings of Bhagavad Gita just to teach all concerned that the Bhagavad Gita can be consulted in critical times not only for solace from all kinds of mental agonies but also for the way out of great entanglements which may embarrass one in some critical time. So. All of us should learn this technique. And it's going to happen to all of us at some time. The day will come when, like Arjuna, we will be confused. We will be bewildered. We will be between that proverbial rock and a hard place. That day comes. No one escapes. Everyone's going to have their day like that, just like Arjuna. So hopefully when that day comes, we remember to take shelter of Bhagavad Gita for the solution. There's two ways of solving any problem in life. There's a material solution and a transcendental solution. A material solution, at best, is temporary, at best. And a lot of times, we try to make up one mistake by making another one. When we do things on the material plane, we see we have a problem and we try to solve it, but actually by trying to solve it, we create another one. The other way is to solve our problems spiritually, transcendentally, by means of Bhagavad Gita. Now, someone may say, Oh, but I have so much responsibility. I have to work in the world. I have to do this. I have to do that. And you're telling me, by reading Bhagavad Gita, it'll be solved? Yes. Because Krishna tells Arjuna in chapter 8, Tasmat Sarveshu Kaleshu, Mam Anusmara Yudhyacha. It's one of my favorite verses of Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 8, verse 7. One of my favorite verses because it answers almost every question. 
Krishna says to Arjuna, yes Arjuna, you have to fight this war. And so I always explain, if Arjuna has to fight the war, because that's his prescribed duty, what am I complaining about? What, I have to do some service? I have to go to some job? Compared to Arjuna, who has to kill his relatives and friends, what we have to do on a day-to-day -day basis is hardly anything. But Krishna says, Tasmat Saveshu Kaleshu Mam Anusmara Yudhyacha. But at the same time, you have to remember me. So that's the trick. <coughs> I may be a businessman, I may be a politician, I may be a lawyer, I may be a teacher, a worker, a priest, a housewife, a student. Doesn't matter. Everybody has to do something in this world. No excuse. Our Krishna is saying, at the same time, remember me. That's the gist of Bhagavad Gita. Do what you have to do. Go where you have to go. But remember Krishna. That's why it's imperative that every day we hear about Krishna, we read about Krishna, and we chant about Krishna so we're able to remember. But if I don't hear about him, if I don't read about him, if I don't come and see him, if I don't chant about him, how will I remember? Whatever I am listening to, that is what I'm going to remember. If I'm listening to the political talk show on the radio, then that's what I'm going to remember. If I'm listening to the latest song, then that's what I'm going to remember. But if I'm listening to Bhagavad Gita, if I'm listening to the Mahamantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, then that's what I'll remember. So it's, it's actually scientific. What goes in here is what's going to come out of here and what is coming from here. It all comes from hearing. That's why it's explained. The first process of spiritual life is hearing. What are you hearing? Who are you listening to? Because that's going to determine everything. You, if somebody tells me who they listen to on a regular basis, that tells me who they are. It all starts from what are they hearing? Who are they listening to? The merciful Lord left behind him the great teachings of the Bhagavad Gita so that one can take the instructions of the Lord even when he is not visible to our material sight. This is another reason why Krishna spoke Bhagavad Gita. Because Krishna, right after Bhagavad Gita, it wasn't long afterwards, Krishna returned. He left this planet. So he left Bhagavad Gita for us, for me and you, 
to take advantage, to benefit. Bhagavad Gita is the greatest act of kindness that Krishna did. By leaving behind Bhagavad Gita, he left a permanent benediction for everyone. It's there. Every time you read Bhagavad Gita, every time you touch Bhagavad Gita, you're being blessed. Who wants blessings? I want blessings. So, go to the reservoir of Ashirvad. The reservoir of Ashirvad, Bhagavad Gita. Even you don't read it. Sometimes, when I'm in Panama, I go every year, a couple of times a year to Panama. So sometimes I have some acquaintances. They take me to the um, Sikh temple. And I saw they have the grunt on a nice altar. And somebody is fanning the book. Like we fan the deity. They're fanning the book. I was very impressed. They have so much respect for the book. So even you can't read Bhagavad Gita, at least put it somewhere in your house or your apartment, make a nice sitting altar and just worship the book. A long time ago, in the 1970s, I was in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and it was freezing cold, like even today right now, they have so much snow there. So on this day, it was so cold, and I wound up at this house where some devotees were staying, and they had a whole room full of Bhagavad Gita books that they were going to distribute. So they did a RT. They did a full RT to the big st stack of books. I was very, very impressed by this. Because Bhagavad Gita is the song of God. It is God. It's non-different. Krishna's word is non-different. That's why we don't put the book on the floor. Because the Bhagavad Gita book is as good as the deity Krishna. Therefore, it's always put very, very respectfully. Material senses cannot have any estimation of the Supreme Lord. Material senses, that's key. But by his inconceivable power, the Lord can incarnate himself to the sense perception of the conditioned soul in a suitable manner through the agency of matter which is yet another form of the Lord's manifest energy. That's the whole principle of deity worship. There are some Hindu sects, what to speak of other religions, they don't believe in the deity form of the Lord. But that's because they have a poor fund of knowledge. He just said it. The Lord agrees to manifest himself in a so-called material form 
because that's all we can see at this stage. We're not able to see spirit. When we become self-realized, when we're liberated, we will be able to see spirit. But we're not at that stage. So God says, okay, I will manifest in front of you in terms of what you can perceive. And we are warned in the Vedas, Arte Vishnu Shiladira Gurusu Naramati. Don't think that this deity is made of stone or wood or metal. If I think that, then I'm a resident of hell. The Vedas point out, it may look like marble, it may look like wood, but it's God. That was one of the things Srila Prabhupada taught us when he was starting this movement. He emphasized this point, that when you come before the deity, do not think that this is stone or wood or metal. This is God. And he's explaining here the philosophy behind it. The Lord can incarnate himself to the sense perception of the conditioned soul in a suitable manner through the agency of matter, which is another form of the Lord's manifest energy. Thus the Bhagavad Gita, or any authentic scriptural sound representation of the Lord, is also the incarnation of the Lord. There is no difference between the sound representation of the Lord and the Lord himself. That right there, this is why I love this purport. Everything is here in this purport. Everything you need to know in Bhaktivedanta philosophy is here. Yes, this is the whole basis behind chanting. So many people around the world, they cannot understand why are you people chanting all the time. Here it is. The sound of the name of God is God. It's not a material sound vibration. You can't just chant any sound. It has to be the name of God. And special potency is given in the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. But how can one begin when they can accept that this sound, Hare Krishna, Hare Rama, is identical with God? Just as the deity is identical with God. We're not like so many people think from outside. They think, oh, you're worshiping idols. Again, when I go to the high schools and colleges, that's one of the questions. We hear that you people worship idols. I go, what? I'm not worshiping. You worshiping? I'm not worshiping idol. I'm worshiping God, not an idol. You worship idols, American idol, you watch on stupid television. You worship genitals, naked dance. Don't tell me I'm worshiping idol. And you worship the biggest idol of them all, the dollar bill. You bow down 
and you work and slave to get that all worship when you kiss it and put it on your head. So don't tell me about idols. I'm not worshiping an idol. I worship God. The big difference. And this sound vibration, Hare Krishna, or the message of Bhagavad Gita is trans Shabda Brahma, transcendental sound vibration. It's not ordinary. You can't just make up any sound. That's why some crazy people say, oh, you're trying to hypnotize yourself. So I can just chant Coca-Cola. You go ahead, chant Coca-Cola. See where it gets you. I'm not a fool. This is what also what I tell when I preach. I'm not a fool. I'm not going to waste over 35 years of my life, several hours a day, chanting just something. No, it has to be something that works. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm no different than you here in this school or university or anywhere. I'm not a fool. I'm not going to waste my time with something that doesn't work. And this Hare Krishna mantra works every time. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. When we did last Sunday the Bhagavad Gita Yajna, I guaranteed everyone, I said at the beginning, if you stay to the end, at the end you will feel that you are in the spiritual world. And so many people came up and said, yes, Prabhuji, you were right. It's a transcendental experience. One can derive the same benefit from the Bhagavad Gita as Arjuna did in the personal presence of the Lord. The faithful human being who is desirous of being liberated from the clutches of material existence can very easily take advantage of the Bhagavad Gita and with this in view the Lord instructed Arjuna as if Arjuna were in need of it. This though also very significant. Arjuna's so-called falling into illusion was part of the drama that he was to play. Arjuna doesn't really need the instructions of Bhagavad Gita. He already knows it. He is already on the platform. Krishna was his lifelong friend. Krishna agreed to be his chariot driver. If Arjuna was not on the same level of Krishna, how Krishna could agree to drive his chariot? Arjuna obviously is on the same platform as Krishna. So Arjuna's falling into illusion was part of the drama so that it would be a way for Krishna to speak Bhagavad Gita for our benefit. As it says here, as if he were in need of it. He wasn't in need of it. Now Prabhupada will now discuss the gist of Bhagavad Gita. In the Bhagavad Gita, five important factors of knowledge have been delineated pertaining to, number one, the Supreme Lord, two, the living being, three, nature, four, 
time and space, and five, the process of activity. So that's Ishwara, Jiva, Prakriti, Kala, and Karma. These are the five basic subject matters of Bhagavad Gita. Out of these, the Supreme Lord and the Living Being are qualitatively one. Supreme Lord is spirit, the soul is spirit. Qualitatively one. The difference between the two has been analyzed as the difference between the whole and the part and parcel. So God is the whole and you and me, we are part and parcel. Nature is inert matter displaying the interaction of three different modes, goodness, passion, ignorance. An eternal time and unlimited space are considered to be beyond the existence of the material nature. In the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 11, Arjuna sees the universal form, and after offering prayers, Arjuna says, Who are you? And what is your mission? And the universal form responds, I am time, and I have come to destroy everything. And that's what time is doing to all of us. As we say in America, we are not getting any younger. We look in the mirror every day. Oh no, another wrinkle. Oh, another gray hair. I, I lost another tooth. Ah! I'm getting fat. That's all because of time. It's cruel. Cruel time. Yes. But we're not that body. You're not what you see in the mirror. Activities of the living being are different varieties of aptitudes which can entrap or liberate the living being within and without material nature. So yes, by my actions, I can either free myself or become more entangled. And Krishna explains this in Bhagavad Gita over and over again. He explains, Arjuna, if you go down this path, you will become liberated. But if you go down this path, you're going to become entangled. And what does Krishna say to Arjuna at the end? Choose the path you like. Choice is yours. This is why I love Krishna. He doesn't force you. He says, door number one, go ahead. Door number two, door number three. But then there is door number four. By the way, you enter door number four. As soon as you come into the temple, you are in the door of liberation. You made the right choice. Very good. All these subject matters are concisely discussed in Bhagavad Gita. And later the subject matters are elaborated in Srimad Bhagavatam for further enlightenment. 
Out of the five subjects, the Supreme Lord, the living entity, nature, and time and space are eternal. But the living entity, nature, and time are under the direction of the Supreme Lord, who is absolute and completely independent of any other control. The Supreme Lord is the Supreme Controller. The material activity of the living being is beginningless, but it can be rectified by transferal into the spiritual quality. Thus, it can cease its material qualitative reactions. Both the Lord and the living entity are cognizant and both have the sense of identification, of being conscious as a living force. That's ego. Ego you cannot do without. Krishna has ego, we have ego. You can't, it's useless to deny it. But what should be avoided is false ego. That's bad. I'm man. That's false ego. I am woman. That's false ego. I am president. That's false ego. As soon as they say anything other than I am Krishna's eternal servant, that's false ego. I am pretending to be something that I'm not. That's false ego. Real ego means I am Krishna's eternal servant. That's it. That's what I am. Happy to be so. But the living being under the condition of material nature called Mahatattva misidentifies him or herself as being different from the Lord. If you want to get your microphone ready, get your microphone ready so that you can lead a nice kirtan. The whole scheme of Vedic wisdom is targeted to the aim of eradicating such a misconception and thus liberating the living being from the illusion of material identification. And this was the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, the very beginning of Krishna's instructions. Because unless this first instruction is understood, there's no question of going to higher subject matters. Krishna began his instructions to Arjuna giving him the ABCs. You're not the body. You're not your mind. You are eternal spirit soul. This has to be understood first. Then we can go on to higher spiritual subjects. But if this is not understood clearly, going elsewhere to higher means nothing. It's ludicrous. Wasting your time, pretending, cheating. This has to be understood. I am not this body. I am not this mind. I am eternal spirit soul. When such an illusion is eradicated by knowledge and renunciation, two sides of the same coin, if you really have knowledge, the proof of your knowledge is that you're detached from the temporary material world. 
But if you think I know so much, but I'm still attached to enjoying this material world, that means I have no knowledge. So we don't care for Mr. Professor. We don't care for Mr. Scientist. Why? Because he still thinks he's that body. And therefore he's a jackass. Or Saiba Gokura. In the words of Krishna in Bhagavatam. He's either a cow or an ass. Because he's still thinking, although he has PhD and this and that, so many uh, things on his wall, and he has the biggest bank balance, he still thinks, I am this body. That makes him fool number one. He still, he has no renunciation. Real knowledge is proven to how much you are detached from this illusory material world. That is the sign of your knowledge. That's why I said two sides of the same coin. Knowledge, renunciation. Vairagya vidya, nidya bhakti yoga. Living beings, excuse me, when such an illusion is eradicated by knowledge and renunciation, the living beings are responsible actors and enjoyers. The sense of enjoyment in the Lord is real, but such a sense in the living being is a sort of wishful desire only. The difference in consciousness is the distinction of the two identities, namely the Lord and the living being. Otherwise, there is no difference between the Lord and the living being. The living being is therefore eternally one and different simultaneously. The whole instruction of the Bhagavad Gita stands on this principle. In the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord and the living beings are both described as sanatana or eternal. And the Lord's abode far beyond the material sky is also described as sanatana. The living being is invited to live in the sanatan existence of the Lord. And the process which can help a living being to approach the Lord's abode, where the, liber the liberated activity of the soul is exhibited, is called sanatana dharma. One cannot, however, reach the eternal abode of the Lord without being free from the misconception of material identification. And the Bhagavad Gita gives us the clue how to achieve this stage of perfection. The process of being liberated from the misconception of material identification is called in different stages, fruitive activity, empiric philosophy and devotional service up to transcendental realization. Such transcendental realization is made possible by dovetailing all the above items in relation with the Lord. Prescribed duties of the human being as directed in the Vedas can gradually purify the sinful mind of the conditioned soul and raise him or her to the stage of knowledge. 
the purified stage of acquiring knowledge becomes the basis of devotional service to the Lord. As long as one is engaged in researching the solution of the problems of life, his or her knowledge is called jnana, or purified knowledge. But on realizing the actual solution of life, one becomes situated in the devotional service of the Lord. I mentioned this at the beginning, that there's two ways to solve a problem, materially or spiritually. Here he's telling you, when one becomes situated in devotional service, right, that is the actual solution of life. The Bhagavad Gita begins with the problems of life by discriminating the soul from the elements of matter and proves beyond all reason argument that the soul is indestructible in all circumstances and that the outer covering of matter, the body and the mind, change for another term of material existence which is full of miseries. The Bhagavad Gita is therefore meant for terminating all different types of miseries. And Arjuna took shelter of this great knowledge which had been imparted to him during the Kurukshetra battle. So if you would like to study this purport on your own very carefully, the reference is first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, chapter 15, verse 27. I'll read the translation one more time. And Gopal, you can get ready by taking your microphone. Desha kalarta yuktani hritta popashamani chat. Haranti smaratas chittam govinda bihitani me. Now I am attracted to those instructions imparted to me by the personality of Godhead, Govinda, for they are impregnated with instructions for relieving the burning heart in all circumstances of time and space. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. I will not be here next Thursday, but I'll be here the following Thursday. Anyone who would like to contact me, please take one of my cards. Thank you very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.